0: you're listening to Drop in the Gloves with former NHL All Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. John Scott, the All Star Man. John Scott, the Family man. Thank you
1: for listening to Drop in the Gloves with John Scott. Whoa. Yeah! Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to Drop in the Gloves with Tim and John. It's a sunny day here in Michigan, Tim. My goodness, just like my future, so bright, so bright, almost blinding. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can't see the sun right now. That's okay. That's okay. You got your own stuff going on. I really appreciate the support. Tim, not so sunny there, is it?
0: It is. I don't have it right in my face like you do, though.
1: I don't have any blinds in my windows. None at all. I like to just let the sunshine flow in. I, I'm old school that way. I don't believe in blinds. That I don't a believe in boundaries. It is
0: let the sunshine
1: flow. Never heard of that. Is that a new song?
0: No, it's old. It's like it's like sixties, seventies. You wouldn't know it.
1: I wouldn't. I would not know that. I'm more of a tragically hip type fellow. That's my my uh, wheelhouse. There. You know, there was a lot of games last night, Tim. There's a oh, lot of action. Time. A lot of overtime games, you're going to see that this time of year because every game, there's so much playoff implications, right? Every single game, people are fighting tooth and nail for the extra point. This is not even on our agenda. What do you think of that extra point, the extra overtime point just for getting there? They didn't used to have that. That's something new. Now it's like a participation trophy. Oh, you know what? You made it. We'll give you that one extra point, even though you didn't win. Do you like the extra point, or does it just complicate things?
0: I'm fine with it. I'd be open to the idea of a regulation win being worth three points, though. There's three points a night because it changes, it changes everything. You know, an overtime game suddenly has an extra point in the standings where you could beat a guy 7 nothing and you don't get rewarded for that other than just a regular two points, you know? I like
1: that. I'm all for that because I feel like teams at this time of year, instead of playing for the win, they play for overtime. I've had times where coaches and teams are like, okay, Let's just get a point, get it to overtime, and we'll see what happens. And especially if you have a shootout specialist, if you have a goalie who's really good in the shootout or a guy who just lights out, because really nowadays, you really only need to score one goal in the shootout. A lot of the times they win one nothing. You, you just go for the shootout. So I would like that. Tim, you might be onto something. Is there another sports league that does that? I feel like there is. Is soccer like that? I think uh, soccer yeah. is win. Depending on the league, yeah. What would, you, what would your shootout move be if you, if you were asked to go? <laughs> I um I don't know. I would try to go five hole, like open them up side to side and go five hole, but I would be terrible. I was actually just watching the most memorable goals, and Marik Malik's shootout goal came up when he was playing with the Rangers versus the Capitals and he went between his legs on Olaf Kolzig. It was epic, it was absolutely epic. So I I almost had a shootout one time when I was at San Jose. It went to like the 15th round. Luckily, we lost because that was just like, oh, boy, I think they went Vlasic. And then there was only a couple guys left. It was me and Justin Braun and Brendan Dillon. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is getting brutal. <laughs> I did not want to go. But it was, uh, was nerve wracking. I can't imagine doing that full time. Like if you're T.J. Oshie in the Olympics, like it's so nerve wracking, even in practice when we do it, because we would do it in practice to try to decide. Because I was around when the shootout was implemented. No one knew what was going on. No one knew what to expect. And it was just like, okay, we're having a shootout, I guess. And none of the coaches know how to react with it. The rules were all fuzzy. fuzzies. like, do we have five guys? Do we have three guys? The first like month was a, just chaos. But in practice, the coaches didn't know who was good at the shootout. So we would have competitions. And the coach would say, whoever wins, like the top three guys of this little competition, I'm going to put in the game. And so guys were fired up. I almost won a couple of times. I got to like the final eight, final five. then you would blow it at the end. And Patrick Kane does something stupid. And you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. But um, I like the shootout during the regular season. I think it's fun. Little climax at the end of the game. Always good. Never leaves in a tie. But I agree. Three points for the winner outright. It would make the game more exciting at the end of the game. I think you'd see teams pull the goalies a little more. Get a little more aggressive if you want to get those three points rather than tie and go into overtime and only get two. If you're in a push for the playoffs, that would bring a lot of excitement to the game, Tim. I think we're on to something. I really do. I really do. I mean that. But it's never going to happen because Gary Batman's certified douche and he's not going to do anything. <laughs> All right, Tim. <laughs> the Avalanche made a trade. I think the first of many for them. And they went out and they filled a need. I said it before. Maybe last episode I said it, what the Colorado Avalanche need to do. Yeah. They need a defenseman. They need a guy to come in. They need a guy. Sam Girard turns the puck over way too many times. You can't just rely on Devin Taves and Cal McCarr. You got to go in there and get someone who can be a solid top four guy. That's all they needed. They went out and they got Josh Manson. And I think it was a good trade for them. They give up a prospect. They give up a draft pick that's going to end up being nobody. And the key there, Anaheim ate half of his cap. So the the cap's going to be a big thing in this trade deadline scenario. And there are two teams – there are a few teams, excuse me, that have said they are willing to eat cap and be a third party involved in a trade if if money becomes an issue. The Seattle Kraken's one of them. The Arizona Coyotes always love to eat cap. That's like their job. So what did you think of this Josh Manson trade? It's not sexy on the surface, but in my opinion, this is a huge trade for the Colorado Avalanche. I like this move. Josh Manson is a guy who could play 20 minutes a game – Kill penalties brings a lot of leadership to the team, and he just plays that physical style that you see in the playoffs that teams just covet. Why not? What do you think of the trade?
0: Oh, I loved it. It it an exact need, just like we talked about last show. That that big, strong, physical defenseman plays plays all situations. He's a really good player, and it fits like exactly what they what they needed. And they're not done either. They may have never trade, will get to in a minute. But I think what we're seeing is that they're. They're tinkering, they're adding. It's not a sexy move, like you said. It's not going to, like, blow up and change their whole defense from a, an offensive perspective, but from a defensive perspective, this is like a guy who will log the heavy minutes, who will play a shutdown role, and it's exactly what they've needed based on what their performance in the last couple of years in the playoffs. That This is exactly where they've gotten exposed. So I think it's a really big pickup for them.
1: Yeah, they've had some issues on the back end. I would not trust my defense going into the playoffs with – Taves McCarr, very good. Then you have a Ryan Murray, Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, and Curtis McDermott. I'm sorry, but that's just a failure waiting to happen. So it's a good move for them. They'd still need to make some moves, and they did make another trade. What else did they do, Tim? What other moves did they make?
0: Smaller one, but they traded uh, Tyson Jost for Nico Sturm. Um, A smaller move, both centers. Jost is a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. But here's the thing. Jost is under had a $2 million uh, cap hit, and he's under contract through 2023. So not this year and then through next year. Nico Sturm had a much smaller cap hit, 725, and is a UFA this summer. So they're opening some cap space, not only for this year, but for next year. I think they're just setting them up to make a bigger move at the deadline, acquiring, I don't know if it's Giroux or someone like that, but they're, they're
1: setting something up big here, I think. I agree. They're, they're trying to free up some money a little bit. Any Anytime you can save a 500 grand here, a million there, this is a big move for them. They free up a million plus in their salary cap. They still need to free up some money if they want to get a Claude Giroux. They're only, I think there's $600,000 under the cap. So it's not a lot of money to maneuver with. But like I said, I don't think money is going to be an object this offseason, this trade deadline, just because I think the Kraken are going to jump in. They'll take the, they take to salary and you'll give them a third rounder and they'll be happy. So I don't think money will be that much of an issue, but the Colorado avalanche do not need to get Claude Giroux. I'm saying it right now. It would be nice. They need to get a bottom six forward who can go out there and kill penalties, be a hound on the four check, put him out there in the final minute of the game. A guy who's just a pest, a Barkley Gaudreau, a Blake Coleman, a player like that who you can rely on. You could say, okay, go out there, start the game, get the momentum going. We just um, dropped a goal. We need the momentum to shift. I don't think you can do that right now when your third line's Logan O'Connor, JT conference, Nicholas Abel Kubel. Don't even know the kid's last name. So, the Avalanche are not done yet. If I was Joe Sackick, I would definitely be hounding and working the phones, but the, I like the moves they've made so far. But it's early. we still got five days left. There's a lot of action that's going to happen, but uh, so far, so good for the Avalanche. So far, so good. I like the Josh Manson move. All right, what else are we talking about, Sam?
0: Uh, kind of a big rumor out of Detroit yesterday. Frank Sterabel reported it, and so this is the team that it started off pretty well. We thought that Maybe the rookies, I mean, they've done really well. Maybe they'd be a quicker franchise bounce back than, than we originally anticipated. And then the last month and a half, two months, they've really come back to earth is the, the Red Wings. So the report is that Eisenman has told other teams he's completely, quote-unquote, open for business, and that everyone he'll, he'll he'll hear offers on everybody except for the two rookies, Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond. Um which is which is kind of interesting. You know, they've got the their franchise pieces, the Dylan Larkin to the world, the Bertuzzi's. Would they move those guys? They've Vrana as a kid. They picked up who's done really well. And you look at their their cap. They got a lot of caps. So they're not hurting to get off on any contracts. They have a lot of expiring contracts. When you look at like their roster, who do you think the pieces are are that could be moved?
1: Well, obviously, teams are going to kick the tires on a Bertuzzi or a Vrana are these types of players, but I don't think Steve Eisman's that dumb that he's going to let go of those guys. But I, th- I think he's doing the right thing. He said, listen, we're open for business. If you guys want to, you know, throw a crazy package at us and come and get uh, a Philip Zadina who we really highly value. And he's had somewhat of a down year, but we do have a lot of stock. We drafted him. We think he's a good player. If you want to go and come and get him, he's still on his entry level contracts, make us an offer. But, I do like what Steve Iser was doing. I think a lot of GMs play games and they say, well, we might be in it. We might be out of it. He's saying, listen, come and get it, baby. We want to make some moves. We know this is not our year. We started the year hot. The young guys got really, really hot. They got some good experience. But now this is the team we are. We're not a very good team. We're not a playoff team, but we have some pieces and we'd like to get rid of some guys. I think players that are valuable in the Detroit Red Wings, Sam Gagne. I like Sam Gagne. He's a veteran guy. He's 32. He's been around the block. He can play up and down the lineup. Right now, I think he's on their third line. He would be a very valuable piece going into the playoff where if my first line isn't humming along or my power play is having some struggles, he is a bona fide guy that you know can put the puck in the net. He's only making 850 this year. I would take a flyer on him. Another guy who i take a flyer on on the back end is a Mark Stahl. I like Mark Stahl. I know his, his best years are behind him. I think he has some value there. He's a big defenseman. You can plot stick him in the 5-6 role, kill penalties. He's been with the Rangers organization for a long time. He's played in some really, really hard-fought battles in the playoffs. I think he would be a good pickup by a lot of teams that he is kind of going unnoticed right now. He only makes $2 million, but I like him. The defenseman that's really getting a lot of press for the Red Wings right now is Nick Letty. He, with the Islanders for years, won a Stanley Cup with Chicago, so he's got that playoff pedigree. I think the asking price for him is a little high right now. They're going for a first rounder. I don't know if they will get him. We'll see how the market shakes out, but they have some pieces. They're a very good team. They have a lot of, you know, individual players that could help teams. Nick Letty was one. Who else would, um, uh, Marcus, Michael Rasmussen, maybe not, but I like what he's doing, Iserman. He wants to make some moves. He knows the team that he has now is not going to make any difference next year. He's earmarked his couple guys that he's going to grow with. And he said, everybody else, you know what? Come and get it. If I'm Dylan Larkin, maybe I'm a little upset. I, I wasn't included in those group of Raymond and Sider, but I'm sure he's had a conversation with the Iserman, but Hey, everyone's available. He's going to be UFA in two years. So who knows what's going to happen with Dylan Larkin, but uh, good for Iserman. I like this. There's not going to be a lot of sellers at the deadline. I think we were just talking about it before the show. I don't think, the movement is going to be there like we once thought. I know at the beginning of the season, everyone thought Washington's going to sell, Pittsburgh's going to sell, all these teams are going to sell. There's going to be so many superstars on the market. It looks right now, Vancouver's not going to sell anybody. Thomas Hurdle's going to re-sign in San Jose. All these big names are not going to be on the market anymore. Pavelski re-signed in Dallas. So who is left? What teams are out there? Is the Islanders all of a sudden going to load, unload all of their like 50-year-old men that they have playing in their team? It's uh it's good that Iserman's doing this. I like this. Frank Saravelli's on to something. I don't know, who who would you take if you're an opposing GM and you want to make a move with the Detroit Red Wings, what's the one guy that sticks out to you that's like, okay, this guy could be a game changer?
0: Well, if everyone is truly available, why not kick the tires on uh, Bertuzzi? You said he he, said he he said he couldn't possibly get traded and you know, it's a little bit problematic because he can't play in Canada because he's very openly not vaccinated, but he's got a pretty good cap hit. He makes under $5 million, 27 years old, under contract through next season. I mean, he's, he can be an impact player at times. He maybe hasn't been consistent, but is he a guy that if you add him, does he totally change your top six in your power play, or is he not quite at that level?
1: I think so. I think he's a great player. Maybe not in the power play per se, but he's a good player. He's a strong power forward, gets up and down the ice, and does everything everything right. I like Tyler Bertuzzi. I, I really, really do. The vaccine thing is a little bit of an issue because yes, if we're going to play in the playoffs and the Stanley cup finals versus the Toronto, may beliefs, that could be an issue. You know, <laughs> you're missing half the games, but listen, he's a point per game guy this year. He's got 48 points in 50 games, 24 goals, 24 assists. He's blown out his previous highs. So he's obviously figured something out. I don't think they get rid of him, but yeah, if I'm kicking the tires, I'm going after Tyler Bertuzzi. He's a good player there it's not very often you get a player who can score, who can fight, who plays gritty and just brings it every single night. And this guy does it every single night on a bad Detroit Red Wings team. He's been one of the few guys who's just been consistent throughout the whole season. So I like Bertuzzi. I don't see him getting moved. I hope he doesn't. I think he's a part of the solution for Detroit moving forward in the next three, four years when I – consider them to be a contender because listen they're gonna lose a lot of contracts they've already got out of Danny DeKaiser they're gonna lose Nick Letty they're gonna lose Mark Stahl they're gonna lose Stracher they're gonna lose all these guys they're gonna have a lot of money to spend and I trust Steve Eisman with the big piggy bank I trust him going out and making the right moves for this team I said it last year the best situation for a team it was Potentially Ottawa, but I, take, I pick Detroit because I think they're going to be really good in two years. We've seen it. Mo Sider is going to be a Norris contender in the years coming forward. Maybe he's not there just quite yet. I think he's a top-ten defenseman. Maybe a couple of people push back. I mean, maybe top 15. But uh, the pieces are in place for the Red Wings. Obviously, Nadelkovic, friend of the show, having a rough, rough start, R- rough year with Detroit. They gave up seven again last night. Oh, it's like <laughs> if you're betting – and you're gambling, you hammer the over every time Detroit plays. Because the overs, it's going to be set like six, six and a half. So hammer the over every single time, because Detroit cannot keep the puck out of the net. I don't know what it is. So I don't care who they're playing. Whether it's an Arizona team that doesn't score or a high-power offense like Edmonton, they're going to give up seven at least every single night. So hammer the over. But All right, Red Wings, good stuff. What else are we talking about? Uh, did you see that
0: little that little spiff between DeBrinckitt and Kane the other night?
1: Oh, yeah. Everybody was talking
0: about it. It was great. Yeah. I mean, what did you make of that? Does that kind of thing happen or is it is that no
1: big deal? Or is that like, whoa, something's going on with Chicago. These guys are beefing. What, what do you think? Well, I want to know what you made of it. You know, you're, you're a very sensitive guy. You don't like people yelling <laughs> at each other. You like everything to be just copacetic. Can't and we all just get along? Yeah, everybody, let's be friends. Kumbaya. What did you think of that? Did that make you uncomfortable to watch two guys yelling at each other like that?
0: Yeah, it was a four second video. I I couldn't finish it. I, I had three <laughs> seconds in.
1: <and laughs> safe place. I need to go to my safe place. <laughs> I'm
0: going for a walk. Uh, <laughs> I I I liked it. I don't know. I mean, I, I like you know guys barking back at the superstars, and I don't know what Kane said. It didn't seem like Kane was that like animated, but he must have said something that DeBrincat was just like shut the f up. Like what you don't know what you're talking about. I did this or that, and. Um I like it i mean i 'm sure they' they 're probably like brothers, you know what I mean like they 've been together for so long they played together on the same line they're they're good teammates, good friends i 'm sure this is no big deal. People were kind of making a bigger deal out of it maybe than it was than it was and go watch the video if you haven 't seen it, but I
1: liked it. I had no problem with it. This is very normal that it happens all the time on the ice. I think people forget that. Like, these guys are still young guys. They're still passionate. They they get fired up. Debrinket's 24. Kaner's only 33. So it's not like these are grizzled vets or old men who are con- in control of their emotion. They're just young kids at the end of the day, and they're fired up. Kaner was trying to tell Debrinket, you, you got to be here. I'm going to be here. He was trying to tell him something. And I've been in that situation when Kaner's telling you something. He, he doesn't know how to go about it sometimes, and he's just screaming at you, telling you what the hell are you doing. And Dabrinkit just wanted to get off the ice. He's like, yes, I know I messed up, whatever, whatever. And then Kaner kept harping on him. He's like, shut the F up. You know, what are you going to do? It happens every single game. When I was with Chicago, I was there for two years. There would be literal screaming matches on the bench between the, the best players on the team. Duncan Keith on one end, Taser and Kaner on the other end. And you would think these guys hated each other. You would think they did not just win a Stanley Cup the year prior because the things they were saying, I would be sitting in the middle. I was like the grocery stick of the team separating the forward and the defenseman. I I was just like, how is this a functional team? Like it was over the top. Like they were screaming at each other going back and forth. And after the game, they were just best friends. So it's in the heat of the battle. Everybody wants everyone to be better. It's okay. But, yeah, it's nothing new for Kaner. I have threatened to strangle his him before. Like, he's gotten under <laughs> my nerves so bad. At one point, we were at a team dinner, and he, and he was just getting after me. He was just being a pest, you know, pushing me, poking the bear, poking me, poking me, poking me. And finally, I leaned across. I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to ch- choke slam me and beat the tar out of you. Like, it, it, obviously, it, was, it wasn't as eloquent as that, but I said, you better watch it. And we were sitting right across from each other, and I looked them dead in the eyes. And I said, Kaner, you better stop, or you're going to get it. And so I think he got the gist and he stopped, but that's what Kaner does. He pushes you. He pokes his, pokes your buttons and stuff. And Dubrink had just had enough. He's like, it's enough. Shut, shut it down, Kaner. And they went about their way and they probably had a great game. And they probably talked about it after the game and everything was fine. So ah, it's normal. It happens all the time. People just, it got caught on camera and everybody was like making a much ado about nothing. Tim made you uncomfortable though, which is really good. It's good for you. You yeah, need to be more so uncomfortable important. This is an important growing pain for me. I need to work through that. You do. You know what else you need to work through dinner? No, you don't. Cause we're going to do DoorDash tonight. Ding dong. Ding, dong. DoorDash is good. <laughs> Everyone loves my DoorDash drop. It's fantastic. It's fantastic because it's the best company in the world to get you food. Whether the company can do what DoorDash does, Tim, I don't know. You pick up your phone, you push a little box, you pick your favorite restaurant you pick the pizza that you want to get, or the hamburger, or the cannoli, or the euro. Whatever you want, they'll bring it right to your door. It's fantastic. And guess what? Wait, there's more. If you use our promo code, you get money off and a free delivery. Wow, what a deal, you say. Guess what? There's more. No, there's not. That's it. You get 25% off and of free delivery if you use promo code GLOVESDDUS, if you're in the USA. If you're in Canada, use promo code glovesdd everybody's a winner everybody gets food everybody's happy we're happy because they give us a little dough me in the back pocket you guys get a little dough dough in your face when you're eating the food so check it out DoorDash. use our promo code it's a lovely thing everybody's happy you know who's not happy tim who everybody in the vegas golden knights organization they are an absolute train wreck so when i say a train wreck i mean this in in the very literal sense, that they cannot get a win. They lose every single time they're on the ice. What is going on with Vegas, Tim? You're an insider. They got Jack Eichel. All is right in the world. He's coming in. He's feeling good. Want, want, wah. All of a sudden, they're not going to make the playoffs. What's going on? They keep, they keep losing. Why?
0: I don't know. They lost their fifth in a row, 7-3 to three last night, to a team that's behind them in the standings, although a pretty good team, Winnipeg. Um and so now Vancouver won last night. So where it stands right now in the wild card standings, they are still in that last spot. But Dallas is one point behind them with four count them four games in hand. Vancouver one two won- three four. Very good, John. Um, Vancouver right behind them, one game in hand. And then Winnipeg is one point behind them, and Anaheim one point behind them. So it's like this is a real tight race. And Vegas is just not doing themselves any favors right now.
1: They're not going to make the playoffs. There's no way they'll be in the playoffs this time next year or this this time next month. Excuse me, they they're done. And the really tricky part with them is, if they want to make a move at the deadline, they can't. Like they have no salary cap situation, they have no trade pieces. They they went all in to get Jack Eichel. They traded all their pieces and Tuck and Krebs in their first rounder. What else do they have? If a team wants to make a trade, they don't have anything. So they've made their bed. It sticks. They're a good team. I don't want to pile on the Vegas Golden Knights. I like what they've done. They just have too many injuries. You can't be expected to win when your captain's out, one of your top defensemen's out, one of your depth defensemen is out, your leading goal scorer is out, one of your second or third line wingers is out, your starting goaltenders out. All of these guys are massive parts of their team. Then I'm talking about Mark Stone, Alec Martinez, Robin Lehner, Braden McNabb, Riley Smith, Max Pacioretty, not to mention Ben Hutton and Matthias Janmark, who are good players on their team. That's eight players. You only dress 20. One of them doesn't play because he's a backup goaltender. 19 guys on the ice, and you're missing eight starters. That's really hard to overcome. Like, it, it really is hard when you look at their lineup. It's just, who are these guys? They have defensemen who have no business being in the NHL right now. They have forwards that don't don't belong in the NHL at this point in their development. So it's, it's tough because the potential is there. You see the big picture when you're like, gosh, if we could have Jack Eichel, Willie Carlson, Mark Stone, Match Paturetti, Jonathan Marcia Stowe, Chandler Stevenson. That's our top six. That's a deadly top six. But when two of those guys are out, what are you going to do? Like it's just it stinks. It affects the whole lineup because then guys in the third and fourth line get bumped up. And they're not first and second line guys. They can't keep up with a, a Jack Eichel. It's just it, it's really too bad. But yeah, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, they'll be out of the playoffs. They they I, I don't see a way that they make the playoffs right now. Unless Dallas continues their losing free fall, they've lost three in a row, but Dallas is a good team. It is a really good team. It'll be interesting. (sighs) The deadline's going to be interesting. It really is. A lot of these teams that we thought that were out of the the playoff run, uh, out of the mix, they're back in the mix all of a sudden. Dallas, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Are all of these teams going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? This will be a big question. I know our big predictions at the start of the year, we're gonna everyone's gonna be trade. It's gonna be the most trades of the trade deadline. I'm second guessing that. If I'm a team like Dallas and I had that miraculous run two years ago, why not go for it again? Joe Pavelski ain't getting any younger. Sagan could play better. Jamie Benn could play better. They're playoff performers. Why not just add a piece instead of trying to subtract? It'll be very interesting to see what happens. But that being said, the Knights aren't gonna make the playoffs. If you were a betting man, Tim, which I know you are, a points bet, it's unbelievable, would you bet Vegas makes the playoffs right now at this point in the season? They have 20 games left. What's going to happen with them in the next 20 games?
0: Um, I don't think it would be this bad, but, no, I don't see them making the playoffs. Even the fact just statistically, like, Dallas is in such a better space, one point behind with four extra games to play. They haven't played solid. solid. No, Vegas does not make the playoffs. Vancouver is still, like, 1-7 out of the last 10. You know what I mean? Like, no, they don't make it. They don't make it. Which is the first time That's has ever happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's sad. You know, they. Gosh, I picked them to have the best record in the NHL this year. Me, <laughs> I'm like the kiss of death at the beginning of the year. If, I, if you might as well just trade everybody if I pick you to have a good year and win the Stanley Cup because it just never works out. It really never. I'm always one year behind. So Vegas will have a good year this year. I picked the Rangers last year. Now the Rangers are having a good year. So next year, all in on the Vegas Golden Knights. <clears throat> Not this year. All right, let's do, uh, let's do some quick hits, Tim. I love the quick hits. I love I quick hits in the NHL, too. You give a quick hit and you move on. Oh, it's so fun. What are our quick hits tonight?
0: Uh, Jacob Chitrin was injured last week against the Bruins, and the original um, prognosis was he's going to be out two to four weeks which is a bit of a bummer. Um, we talked about how that would impact his trade value, but then this, this report came out just a f- few minutes ago. Darren Dreger tweeted out that, quote, as TSN reported last night, Jacob Chichen's injury may not be as serious as was originally feared. Could be back on the ice later this week. Still a, tr- a strong chance he is traded with L.A. and Boston committed to staying in the hunt with multiple piece offers. Good news for them. Good news for the team interested in, in him. How do you think his trade value could be affected by this, if at all? I don't think it'll be affected at all.
1: He he, he is not a rental piece. That's the thing. That's the beautiful Jacob Chichard. <clears throat> he will be a cornerstone for your team for the next five to ten years. So I think that's why you see the LA Kings involved in this trade because everybody knows LA is a few years out. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. They will make the playoffs based on this you know standings right now, but they know they're not going to make the, the Stanley Cup. But they get that this is a long term deal. They have a really good team. They have a lot of good young players. And why not go get a Jacob Chicharron? The kid's 20, what is he, 25, 24? He's still got a lot of time left. And he's a heck of a, heck of a defenseman. So he's 23. He's 23.
0: And he's under contract for 4.6 for three more years after this year. What a, so what a steal.
1: He's got a killer contract. He's just, he's a good defenseman. I don't know why there's more teams not in on Jacob Chitrin, but the Arizona Coyotes, what are we doing here? Why? 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 Why trade this guy? Honestly, honestly, what's the point of trading him right now? You're making other teams better, and you're not making your team better. It's not like they've knocked out of the park with their draft picks. Have you? They're not drafting franchise-altering players right now. I don't understand the reasoning behind this. If you're a GM and you want to build a team, I would gauge all the GMs. I would bet you at least three quarters of them would say, I want a stud, stay at home, not a stay at home, a stud, big, strong defenseman who I could build my, my team around. And that's Jacob Chitron. That's the most siders of the world. That's the Victor Hedman's of the world. That's the Roman Josi's of the world. These guys are very hard to come by. And when you get them, you hold on to them so tight. You never let them go Tim. I'll never let you go, Jack. And she let him go. Do you believe that? What a liar Rose was. Have you ever seen Titanic? That part bothers me. Rose, I'll never let you go. Then she falls asleep and Jack's dead. It's just like, come on. You know what I mean? But yeah, and they're doing the same thing with Jacob Chitron. They're, they're, you should hold on to this guy with every ounce of energy that you have. You build your team around Clayton Keller. You build your team around Jacob Chitrin. These are the two young players on this team that I like. These are the guys you're going to win with in 10 years, but no, we're going to let him walk. Then we're just going to be a complete garbage dumpster fire for the next 20 years because they don't know how to manage it. It doesn't make sense. Oh, but we got Alex Galchenyuk. Oh, and we got Nick Ritchie and Louis Erickson. Are you kidding me? Arizona, they should get fined for how bad they manage their players. It's just a joke, but anyways, I do think trading him is a bad thing, but it's very exciting. Obviously, you want him to go to Boston. Which team do you think you would make the greatest impact on if he went to at this deadline? L.A., Boston, maybe a St. Louis Blues kicking the tires. There's a lot of teams that would love to have a Jacob Chitren. Does he get dealt? And what do you think the return is, Tim? More importantly, what's the return on a 23-year-old defenseman who can put up 50 points, who's strong, who can skate? He's a very hard defenseman to play against. What's the return on a guy like that?
0: I got to think it's multiple firsts, right? I mean, I don't think one – you know, the standard package, first-round pick, prospect, NHL-ready player, whatever, that's not enough for this guy with this contract, with this upside, this age, this talent. Like, it's going to be a huge package that's going to hurt. It's going to be the type of package that's like, okay, say it's the Bruins, it's going to be like giving up some players that you don't want to give up in order to get a player of this caliber. And that's the thing I think people don't realize. It's like, oh, let's give up like – picking the Bruins, the first round pick and Grizzlick and like two guys out of Providence. It's like, that doesn't get you Chicharron. It doesn't, you know what no. I mean? So it's, it's going to hurt and, but it'll be worth it. So, you know, whoever gets them, I think will make sure team and their whole franchise a lot better both this year and in, in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. The market got set a little bit with Manson and I think, you know, it was a fair deal, but they did give up a second round and a pretty good young prospect. So I've heard reports that that young prospect, what was his name, Helmuth or something like that, he's going to be a good defenseman for the next 10 to 15. Years. That years. That's the, the prognosis for him. So if that's the going rate for a Josh Manson, Jacob Chitran is way better than Josh Manson. He's younger, he's faster, he's stronger. It's going to be a, a big haul that they get in. But knowing Arizona, they'll completely just botch this deal and it'll be a first-rounder and, a, and a, maybe a prospect. They're going to blow it. They're absolutely going to blow the deal. You know what
0: I what else is interesting I've heard and we sh- we should I don't know we could spend some time on this but apparently a lot of GMs that are that are sellers of a deadline are asking for 2023 draft picks not 2022 draft picks which has to do with a the talent of that second class you know they they want the the those those players they like that group yep. better but also like think about the how much the the scouting and player development was just completely just thrown off the trail, off the tracks by COVID the last couple of years. They don't really know what this, what this group can do. And they also don't know that they progressed as well as they should have. So they're saying, Hey, let's, let's look two years from now. I think that's pretty interesting.
1: Smart. You know, you'd rather have the the devil, you know, rather than the devil you don't know, like, you know, the players two years from now, you're going to have a chance to scout them, get to know them, get their backstory. I think COVID, yeah, threw a wrench in everybody's plans. It was apparent the last couple of years that no one really knew who they were drafting. Yes, the first round is somewhat locked in, but after that, it's just a crapshoot. It's like you, some seasons were canceled altogether. The OHL didn't play games a couple of years ago. So it's just, it's smart. GMs are smart. You know, don't get me wrong. They make a lot of mistakes, but they are smart. All right, what else? My friend of the show, Alex Ovechkin, love that guy. Love him to death. He finally passed Jager. Good for him. Third all-time in goals. Very exciting. That's where he's going to stay, regretfully. But, that's no, very no. exciting. What? You think he'll pass
0: Gordy next year? Um, it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, Yager tweeted out a video last night. He congratulated him and whatever, and he's like, you know, I was thinking about coming back to the NHL. So keep, keep this going because I can come back next year and, and chase you and get back into that third spot, which I thought was pretty funny. That guy is just like so much charisma and character. It's awesome.
1: He does. He's like – speaking of machismo, what's his name? Razor Ramon passed away from the WWF. Very sad. Very sad news. But uh, he reminds me of Yager. Same hair, same kind of attitude. But, yeah, OV, he'll get Gordy. He's not going to get Wayner. There's a suspension, Tim. There was a suspension to a skill guy. I'm very surprised. Matthews maliciously, just dangerously attacked Rosmies Dolan of the Buffalo Sabres, cross-checked him in the neck, rearranged his jaw for a little bit, got two games. This is his first discipline, supplementary discipline ever. Never been fined. never been suspended. Is it too much? Two games, that's that too much for an Austin Matthews? What did you think of that?
0: No, I thought it was right. Um, and I don't. I wouldn't have said that. And he deserved more either. I think two was right on the money. First time offender, dangerous hit, right below the jaw, like you said. Um, surprised some people maybe. The I mean, Toronto fans, they, they they can't look through it with clear clear lenses. They were all pissed, but yeah, I think it was fine.
1: You, the pot calling the kettle black. The Bruins fans. I think two games is too much. I really do. And I'm not a Maple Leafs fan. I think he should have got a fine. It's his first instant. Mind you, my first time getting suspended. I had never been fined or suspended. I got seven games. What a joke. Well, you tried you. to kill a guy. Keep your head up, Louis Erickson. Unbelievable. Since when do you dump the puck and admire your dump? Oh, look at how great that pro dump is. It's going to land right in the corner. And I'm like, guess what, Louis? I'm going to knock your block off. <laughs> but anyways, I think two two games is too much. I, I think a fine would have been appropriate. What are you going to do? The The bummer here is now he's, he's in the books. You know what I mean? So now if something else does happen, it has to be more than two games. He's going to lose a lot more money. So I, don't know, I think it was a little heavy-handed by the NHL, but what are you going to do? Staying with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've solved their problem, Tim. Everything is hey, right man. in the world now. Everything is right in the world. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a shutout last night. They've gone, I think, five or six games without, with, with giving up four goals or more. They've been in a stretch where they've just been hemorrhaging goals. They called up Eric Kalgreen. green. I know. I think the K is silent. I'm not, not entirely sure. They called him up from the Marlies. He's a Swedish goaltender. He played in the Swedish Elite League for a cup of coffee. He's 25 years old. First NHL game gets a shutout versus the Dallas Stars, which is a pretty good, pretty good team. High powered offense. Rupe hints, don't sleep on that guy. So they they've answered all their questions. See you later, Peter Mrazek. You can go down to the Marlies. Jack Campbell, you can come in and be the backup once your ribs are all healed up in a couple of weeks. That's it, right? That's that's what the people in Toronto are saying right now. This is what we needed. This kids, he's they're going to give him the keys to the Corvette, Tim. Right? This is it. Stanley Cup parade. Here we come.
0: I don't know what they're saying that. I well, I mean, this is a big. This is a big win for them. They needed that win. They needed that confidence. Good for this kid to to get a shutout in his NHL debut. It would be cool if he was the answer, or at least if he was a full-time NHL guy. Now, if he pushes Mrazek out and he can split with Campbell, maybe Campbell just takes the the full-time reign during the playoffs. Who knows what will happen? This could also be a, a case of just adrenaline and nerves, and he settles back down and isn't really an NHL goaltender. We don't know. But it was, this would be good for them if he was able to solve some problems in the back end for them.
1: Toronto did a really good job. Of just controlling the dangerous areas, they played really well in front of him. I think they wanted to give this kid a chance, and it was a good game all around. They didn't have too many grade A chances against, him. he, hey, listen, he made thirty five saves, thirty five saves shutout. That's that's pretty good. So good for him. For everybody saying this is the answer to your question, just pump the brakes. The guy was a seventh round draft pick for Arizona. He's been in the East Coast. He's been in Sweden. He's been in the AHL. He's bounced around. This guy is not your answer. It's it's a good story. If I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm still looking for a goaltender. I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury will get moved to the deadline. I have a, the gut feeling that he's just going to stay in Chicago and not want to move around again. So go get a Varlamov. Go get a somebody else to kind of shore up the back end. But it's a good story for Toronto. They needed someone to step up and save the puck. There's, <laughs> there's been a lot of goals being scored lately. And Toronto, this this was a good thing for them. But uh, it, it'll be over with the next time they play. They'll give up 6 And everybody, are you calling for this kid's head? What is Dubas doing? What are we doing here? It's tricky because Campbell, I do think he is the answer. I do think he is a good goaltender, but he's putting the management in a really tough situation where he's going to be back after the trade deadline. So we don't know what to do. Mrazek has shown he's just terrible. You cannot trust Mrazek for anything. Can you trust this AHL call-up? No. What do you do? There's not a lot of good goaltenders out there that you really can legit plug in and say, this is my starting goaltender there. Marc-Andre Fleury is really the only one who is on the trade market that you can say, he is my now new one, a starter. Everybody else has their issues. They have a backstory. So there's skeletons in the closet. It'll be interesting to see what Toronto does because they have a few holes. And this is a massive hole that that needs to be taken care of. And yet it's a good story now for clogging, call green. Carl, Carl green. But um, this is not the answer. All right. What else? We got a little issue in Montreal.
0: Well, Ben Chirot has been on the trade block, and he's going to be moved. Everyone knows it. And now they're scratching him for his game. And they expect him to be scratched basically until the deadline. He's skating with the team in practice. He's still traveling. But they're protecting their asset, which can be a little bit of a controversial thing. Some people understand it. They get it. Some people kind of like, hey, he's he's on the team. Play him. Whatever happens, happens. How do you – where do you land on that that sort of thing?
1: I think it's fine. You know, he's – at the end of the day, he's your product, and you want to maximize value for him. And why put him out there? Risk blocking a shot or tweaking something or getting hit or twisting an ankle, then he's done. You don't get anything for him, and he's going to walk in the offseason. So smart by Montreal. He'll be the biggest prize piece, I think. If Klingberg is there, I don't know. We'll we'll see. It, it, we're going to do a show on Friday about the trade deadline. We'll really dig into all these players and who's you know got the most value and stuff. But yeah, good on Montreal. I, I think it's smart. It's always funny at the trade deadline when you're skating around and you don't have a game that day. And guys just get picked off the ice left and right. It's like where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? It's just it's fun. If you're on a losing team and you get traded at the trade deadline and you go to a Stanley Cup contender, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. I know when I was in Buffalo, guys were begging to be traded. Like the coach would come on the ice and they'd tap somebody be like, oh, please be me, please be me, please be me. And then go and tap a Drew Stafford. And like, oh, and then we'd be t- tapping our sticks. Yeah, go get him, staff, And he'd be gone. And yeah, that's fun. But it's, it's an exciting time of year. But all right, Tim, last one. Points bet. I nailed it last game. I am on a streak. I'm just killing it. Are you going to take the reins on this one? Make some people the money? Well, maybe you should go until you lose. Should we? Yeah, let's make that the thing. All right, Wednesday, March 17th, there's some good games. Bruins Wild, Lightning Kraken, Devil's Flames, some high-octane games. Like, really, these are games I'm going to sit down and watch. Blue Jackets, Senators, my oh my. Which game should I uh, bet on, Tim?
0: I don't know. The only close one, I think, is maybe Senators, Blue Jackets, Boston, Minnesota. The others will probably be blowouts.
1: You know what? The Blue Jackets-Senators game – I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think the senators are gamers. They like to, you know, they keep it close. I'm going to go all four. I'm going to parlay it. I'm going to win some people, some money. This is how you win money. Yeah. It's good to do the one ups. You parlay these bad boys. I'm taking the Bruins over the wild wild. Still haven't figured out their, their, their problems. Bruins are playing well. I'm taking the Bruins. The senators blue jackets, the only game where I, it could go either way. These are very streaky teams. They play the very similar type games. I'm going to take the Blue Jackets. I think Patrick Laine is going to have a good game. They need to win. They absolutely need to win, even though they're out of the playoffs. I think the Blue Jackets will win. Obviously, taking the Lightning over the Kraken. Obviously, I'm taking the Flames over the Devils. The Flames have been skidding a little bit of late. They're going to bounce back versus the Devils. The Devils are in for a rough one here. So I'm going to go Flames, Lightning, Jackets, Bruins. Lock it in. Send me i 75% of the winnings. That's all I want. That's all I want. Send it to my uh, PayPal account. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.